Hi, this is John Ritter, and welcome to the Rise Up Country Podcast, Episode 3. Each week, we spread a message of hope and inspiration from some of the biggest artists in country music. Today, it's going to be Scotty McCreary and Keith Urban. You know, did you ever have a time in your life when all your dreams came crashing down? Well, that's exactly what happened to Scotty McCreary. But it's not about the knocking down, is it? It's all about the getting back up and keeping the faith. Scotty's going to take us through his journey on doing exactly that. Plus, you're going to enjoy a ride back to 2001 and a conversation I had with Keith Urban. When at that time, he was a struggling musician, and believe it or not, he didn't have a dime to his name. Pretty funny. Listen, I'm also going to share some phone calls I got on our Rise Up Country Hope Line. Stories of hope and inspiration that will inspire you, and I promise you will be telling these stories for the rest of your life. Usually, this is where you go to your sponsors, but guess what? We're just starting off. We don't have any. Hey, let's kick it off with the conversation I had with Scotty McCreary when he had his song out, Damn Straight. You know, Scotty, I have to tell you, the thing I love most about the song, Damn Straight, is that the whole idea of using George Strait references never got overused. Yeah, to, to me, my favorite part about it is that, yes, if you're a George Strait fan or a country music fan, then you're going to get the references in there. But even if you don't know the George Strait songs, like grammatically, the song still makes sense with how they use the titles, you know? So yeah. I think that's cool and pretty, pretty clever how they wrote it. Now with the video, what's the name of that hall? Do you pronounce it green or how does it green, how- green hall? Yeah. I'll, I'll walk in there saying green or, but right. it's green hall with a U. You know what I like about that too, is whoever owned that is probably paid for by now. That is a moneymaker, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's got to be. It's it's especially with all the George history there. It's I mean, people come from all over to go see a show there. Yeah. So how did that video all come about? I mean, I think I read something that, you know, you said, well, we I know we could save money and shoot it someplace else. But I think it was your idea, wasn't it? Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, it's it's always easier to just film it in Nashville. Everybody's here. Don't have to pay for travel. There's studios. There's great um you know directors and i mean there's everything right here but i was like man this is a this is a song about george Strait. i mean we we've got to go to texas um so i got everybody on board and my director jeff was like what about green hall i was like yes absolutely that's perfect so um yeah it all really came together nicely and and we didn't hit any road bumps or anything um it turned out to be one of my favorite videos i've shot yeah, it's really good. I have a great George Strait story. I've heard, I'm sure as you're talking to people, you've heard them all over the country. Uh, but I, I'll listen to George Strait stories all day. <laughs> yeah. So in 1981, I had a local hit record called Beautiful Downtown Loop. Yeah. And they had a big event called Ride and Something, where they took horses and they'd ride from different parts of Tampa and then ride to the fairgrounds. So they had this big event. And as it started off, they said, there's probably going to be about 1,200 people there, and you're going to be the opening act. Then pretty soon, there's 2,500 people. Then there's three. And it kept growing and growing. But they had a backup band. So I go up there, and I do my song. And everybody's singing, beautiful downtown lutes, and singing along and kicking. I'm going, great. Uh And he goes, yeah, I got a couple guys uh, coming up after you that are just kind of starting off in their career. And the one guy's really nervous, but I think you're going to love him. His name is George Strait. 
and then followed by him as the next new guy, Lee Greenwood. Wow, that's amazing. That's so funny. It's crazy when you think about how they started out and who they opened for and, you know, all that for sure. Pretty wild. So what's your fascination with the Carolinas? I love that you compare heaven to them, but tell me, is that where your family and stuff grew up? Yeah, so it's where I'm born and raised. And uh, my dad was born in Puerto Rico, lived in Maine and New Hampshire his whole life. And then uh, I think it was like the blizzard of 88. He had to shovel snow above his head. And he was like, I am moving south uh, after that. And then my mom, she was born and raised in the East Coast. But I don't know. I mean, first thing for me is the people. I mean, they're, they're awesome folks there and very down to earth. But for me, um, I, I just like to escape. I mean, it, it's a life like we were just talking about where there's always cameras and you're you're on the stage and there's a spotlight on you and um for me naturally i'm more of an introvert uh you know even though i get on stage and i'm you know this guy that's loving it that's a different guy i don't know who that is but um so for me north carolina kind of allows me the escape and uh, we live in raleigh and two hours away is the beaches um so we can go to wilmington and and kind of escape there and or then we can go, you know, three hours to the west and we're in the, the Smoky Mountains, the Appalachians, and we can kind of relax and get away. So uh, to me, that's that's what I love about it. It's kind of the escape nature of it. I think a lot of people in the entertainment business, it's like I went from being an entertainer to now the radio thing, but I'm the same way. I'm an in, I mean, it's much better for me to go to an event with my wife because everybody clings to her and they love her. I would probably never talk or start a conversation <laughs> if I had to go by myself. I'm the same way, John. I tell, it's, uh, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I'm just kind of to myself and quiet and reserved. And I hope some people don't think it's like I'm being rude. It's not that I'm, I'm genuinely interested in what's going on, but I'm growing up college, high school. I was the guy just kind of standing in the corner of the party, you know, just enjoying myself, but just, just chilling, you know? Yeah. That, that's the same here. I think I developed my personality and my self-esteem when I picked up guitar and started singing. It's kind of like something changes when you when you get having your guitar, you're, you have the microphone. It's like all of a sudden you're comfortable. And, and for me, at least, it's like I want to share that. And I want to be you know all about it. But uh, that's kind of my, my safety net, you know, the guitar. And I remember Scotty and I were also talking about his song Matters to Me. And I asked him point blank when he gets home off the bus what are some things that matter to his wife, Gabe, that he makes sure that he takes care of? I think for me, especially with as much as I travel, um, it's when I get home, kind of not just sitting on the couch and, and relaxing, um, which sometimes you're beat from the road, but it's that little extra effort where I get home and she's had to deal with everything at home for three or four days without me. So it's like, what? get in and like dive in like how can what can i help with how can i help you what can i help with the house um what do i need to put away do we need laundry do we need dishes done it's just the little things of kind of helping out around the house where she's had to do everything for three or four days in a row um and let her get on the couch as opposed to me that uh i think she really really appreciates i couldn't agree more that marriage will last won't it you know i also had a chance to ask scotty about something that he was most proud of I told him I'd spoke with Charlie Daniels with that same question. Charlie told me he was proud that each one of his band members who had been with them from the very beginning owned their own homes. So here's what Scotty told me that he was proud of. For me, probably the thing that I always go back to um, 
it's a song, but it's more the process of how the song got out there is five more minutes. And um, I wrote the song in 2015, considered it that day, one of my favorite songs I've ever written and thought it was my best really. Um, recorded the song, wanted to put it out the radio and, and the team behind me was just like, oh no, you know, whatever. And then I get dropped and, and it's, it was like one hurdle after another and, and a year of lawyers and a year of thinking, oh man, this song that I wrote, it's never going to get out there. My career is probably through. Um, but instead of having a pity party, like me and the team really just picked ourselves up by the bootstraps and said, no, every day we were working towards that goal of getting that song out there. And, um, eventually like a year and a half later from all of that, we finally got it out there and little by little, it, it ended up becoming my first number one single. And, um, so more so than just the song, the process of kind of how that happened and how we just kind of had to pick ourselves up and, and just keep moving forward instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, you know? That's great, man. And then thank God that we have, you know, Christ in our heart to say, okay, look, I know I'm a loser, but can you hang in here just a little bit more and help me out? You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes you have to, you have to lean on him to get through things that seem a little, a little too tough for us to handle for sure. Hey, thanks for your time, Scotty. Talk to you later, buddy. All right, John. Hey, always good to see you. Hopefully next year we can, we can see each other in person again. So there you go. Talk to you later. See you, man. You know, maybe Scotty's story inspired you to share one with us. You can on our Rise Up Country Hope line at 844-717-7774. Or if you want to make a comment on our Facebook page, you can at Rise Up Country or follow us on Instagram at Rise Up Country. In a few minutes, I'm going to take you back to 2002 with one of the first conversations I had with Keith Urban. But first... I'm going to go ahead and play a call I got from one of the real stars of the Rise Up Country podcast, listeners just like you, who call into the Rise Up radio show and share their stories of hope and inspiration. This particular gentleman told me of a story about his wife being so depressed from not being able to have a child. And by the time he was finished talking to me, we were both in tears. Hi, John. Uh, me and my wife, Cindy, got married back in 97 and found out shortly after that she was never going to be able to have kids. And she shortly received a hysterectomy after that and it just crushed her. And mm-hmm. in 2004, she kind of hit rock bottom on depression. Her niece and nephew gave her a great big birthday or Mother's Day card, telling her they loved her. And she was just demolished. But, John, the very next day, blessed us with a child a friend of ours that worked in the uh ob department called us and said a lady had a baby and didn't want it and that we needed to get down there we went down we went down met her talked with her she loved us and within two hours of talking to a lawyer that baby girl was ours oh get out of here oh my uh, gosh she's just been a blessing our whole lives she just Broke from everything easily, bottle, oh, diaper, everything. I mean, just perfect baby, never sick. And, John, in two days, that baby girl was going to turn 18. <laughs> and we could never have been more blessed in our lives with such a precious girl. Wow, you got me in tears, buddy. That's a story right there, isn't it? That is a story I, right there. I've been telling that story for 18 years now. It breaks me up every single time I tell it. Oh, I can understand it. Boy, you want to talk about God's blessing. Absolutely. I told her that day that they called us. I said, honey, he saw you crying yesterday and 
So that's enough. You, you've suffered long enough. I'm going to bless you today. And he sure did. Boy, I bet that turned Mama around, didn't it? Oh, it did. She just started crying out of the blue yesterday. And I was like, honey, what's going on? She said, I'm just so happy to have this baby. Oh, my God, yeah. Growing up and graduating and just could not imagine her life without her. Wow, what a story. Listen, maybe you've got a story like that or a story of hope and inspiration. Well, you can always phone our Rise Up Hope Line. You can call us at 844-717-7774. You know, when I got this next call after she hung up, I thought to myself, you know, I have no excuses for trying to accomplish the kind of things I want to accomplish in life. Listen to this. My dad had polio as a kid. My grandpa did therapy on him. He had done a lot of research. My father wound up walking again. Well, he was a field service um, engineer for a company, and they sent him to the Philippines. And it was a time when they had a uh, tsunami and there was a lot of flooding. My father was one of the few Americans that was there that went out and tried to help. Their National Guard told them, if you see bubbles, just put your hand down and pull something up. So my dad held on to a tree and started pulling people out of the water. Now, this is a man who couldn't swim uh, at all because his legs didn't work right. right. So he went back in, and the people gave him a, like a hero's welcome. When he came back home and he told us of this, I said, boy, Dad, you're a hero. He said, no, honey, you do what is right, and you don't care if somebody says that it isn't or not to get involved. If it's the right thing and in your heart, you know, it's right, then you go and do it because that's God talking to you. Wow. And I've always done that, and now I do disasters with the um, with a DMAT, uh, and that's what I've always done. Wow, that is fantastic. I can't believe they worked with your dad and he walked. That's that's a miracle in itself, isn't it? Yes. Uh, my grandpa read about um, some sister, Kenny, in Australia that was doing what they called range of motion, and they kept moving the muscles of these kids um, Grandpa did it for a year. He did it for an hour in the morning before he went to work, an hour at his lunch, and then two hours at night, and he did it for a year. And although my dad had um, one leg that was shorter than the other, he wound up being uh, a welterweight uh, for two years in South Carolina and um, played ba- uh, football. Oh, and he, he served in Korea. So all things are possible wow. with God. Wow. Boy, you're bringing tears to my eyes. What a loving father he had, huh? Yes. My goodness. And so did I. Wow, absolutely. It passes on, and you're a loving mama, I'm sure. My son is also serving in the military right now in the Navy. Passing it down from one generation to the next to the next. I love it. Well, give your son a big hug. God bless, sir. God bless you, too. Thank you. Man, no excuses, right? You just got to go for it. Hey, maybe that story got to you and you've got one you want to share with us. You can by contacting us on our Hope Line at 844-717-7774. Make a comment on Instagram at Rise Up Country or go ahead and share your story on our Facebook page at Rise Up Country. Well, you know, I thought it'd be fun if we all got together and took a trip down memory lane at a country radio seminar. It was one of the first conversations I had with Keith Urban. Back then, very few people knew of him. And on top of that, he didn't have, believe it or not, 
much money. So let's go ahead and take a trip to 2001 Keith, just getting off the road. You're the last person I expected to see at this event. Why? I figured you'd just be sleeping or resting. <laughs> Haven't you been extremely busy? Oh, yeah. I mean, aren't you ready to just take a break and forget about it for a while? I'm going to Austin on Thursday for five days. So oh, good. That'll be like a vacation. Even though I'm riding every day, it'll still be a vacation. Yeah, but not... You know what it is, is once you get in that routine that you have to be on the stage or you have to do this, right. you're always doing this with yeah, the clock. I'm you're good always with looking. I, I like getting schedules. I work much better because I, I would never make one for myself, but I, I can follow one really well. Is that right? Yeah. So what's your week been like? Uh, I don't know. I missed it. I just didn't show up for any of it. No, it's been <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's been really good, actually. We um. We had rehearsals on Sunday for the CMA performance. Uh -huh. uh, the band's playing live with me on, on Wednesday night, which I'm really pleased about. Uh, and that went good. And then we just uh, did a, a mountain of radio yesterday. Uh, we did a television show this morning, and uh, we're on the home stretch. Think, sit back and think two years ago. Mm -hmm. Would you ever imagine everything was just going to take off like a, I mean, it's just like a, a sandstorm almost in your life everything just all of a sudden hit you at once and you just yeah actually it was a it was it was pretty slow because you know love thing came out in october two years ago right and uh it sort of just slowly crept up the charts and we did the radio visits and um slow you know and so it was actually a very slow build and then your everything did much better on the charts and then grace of god did better and it before I knew it, a whole year had rolled around and the songs were still moving up. So for me, it's been actually a really good pacing. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I think if I'd come out with my first hit and it went straight to number one and you were swamped at radio, it would, yeah, it would have worn me down. What do you think the one event is that really made people recognize Keith Urban that said, I mean, do you think it was it? A concert? Was it a song? Was it a TV exposure? What do you think was the one thing that all of a sudden... I think Grace of God really hit a chord with a lot of people, and I'm so grateful for that song. Um, I think uh, the video that accompanied it turned out really well. I was very happy with it, and um, I think that song really started to, to, at least in my eyes, give me the the feeling that people were actually seeing the, the realist me that I'd presented, you mm -hmm. know, right along to... That song really gelled everything to me with who I am and, and what I like about, you know, country music. And uh, and it brought a lot more people out to the show. And I think the live show has helped us a lot too. Yeah. Well, you, you've always had that advantage, kind of like Phil Vassar. You can walk out on a stage by yourself right. and just do great stuff and keep people entertained. I try to, yeah. And that's a plus. You don't have to depend on four or five other people to walk out there with you. No, it's nice when they do, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. It takes a little of the pressure yeah, off, it doesn't does. it? Yeah. Last time we spoke to you, had just gotten a, um, was it a Chevy Caprice? Uh, I just bought an Impala last time, I think, Impala, you and I had talked. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was your... Uh, the thing is, is certain people in this room and stuff made such a big fuss about the car, then all of a sudden I go, Chevy Impella, I thought this was going to be like a 63 Corvette or, or something. Have yeah. you added anything else to your car collection? No, but I, oh gosh, I don't have any money. What are you talking about? I'm a musician. We're all broke. Right. But um, I did get my windows tinted in the Impala, so <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a work in progress. Goodwill Games, is that over? Yeah. So you, what was that like going down to Australia great. and doing that? It was really good. Did you get to hang out much? Uh, no, we were there for, what, three days, I think? It was like we flew in, did a rehearsal, you know, did like two days of rehearsal. I've never rehearsed so much for a show in my life. 
but I guess it's it's live and it's worldwide, so they don't want any mess ups. Uh huh. We did the show, and then the day after, we flew back to the states and kept touring. It was a whirlwind. Oh man! Yeah, the poor band. You know, they were all excited because they'd never been before, and I took my crew with me, and right. they were just so excited, and they didn't get to see anything. Yeah, they saw the inside of vans and an arena and airplanes, <laughs> and that was it. You know, a similar <laughs> thing. I have my bands out west, and when I moved to Florida, I said, "Well, you know, if you want to see Florida and stuff, why don't you just, you know, help me." you know, drive the U-Hauls and stuff. We'll go down to Florida and you can see the United States. Oh, right. Same thing. They had to drive these poor trucks all the way across the country. And then when they got back, their wives and stuff wanted them to come home. <laughs> so they were only in Florida for like a day. And I'm thinking, these poor, miserable guys, they yeah. had to drive all the way across there and then not get to enjoy any of it. You, you don't get to see as much as people think when you're traveling, mm-hmm. especially if you're having to travel overnight to the next town when you're on tour. There's been so many towns I've been to, I don't even think I've been there. That I don't know anything about that town, and we, we did one show, and then we're in the bus, and you're driving to the next town. So right. I'm looking forward to uh, taking some time off to just travel. And my tour manager said, you know, why would you want to travel? That's what you do all year. And I said, no, we tour all year. There's a difference. That's pretty good. You know, touring is one thing. Traveling is a total other thing. That means you're, you're actually traveling to sea destinations. And, and you're usually you know. traveling at night. Yeah, that's right. right. Mm-hmm. So usually you're sleeping why and you can't see the country anyway. Exactly. Exactly. You All you know is the stadium or the elephant ears or the fair <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Or uh, Montgomery Gentry's banging on your door at eight AM saying it's get up and have a drink, you know. So. <laughs> I can I can see that too. Yeah. They'd be terrors. Was that a fun show to do? Oh, it was awesome. I I've never had so much fun touring ever. And um I think what I was surprised at was how well everybody got along. Yeah. I mean, that's a strange bunch to throw together. You know, me and Montgomery Gentry and Toby Keith and Kicks and Ronnie and Cletus T. Judd just thrown into the mix as well. But you know what? If you take all of them and you look at their hearts, they're all good guys. That's they're right. They're all and, good people. And we all grew up playing, you know, uh, clubs, pubs and clubs. You right. Know? And um, I think that's what bonded all of us together. Where mm-hmm. uh, There wasn't a scrap of ego out there. I mean, you you know. You'd get uh, hell kicked out of you if you started bringing any of that into the equation. I'm sure it was, it was a bunch of guys having a great time and having a ball, entertaining everybody. And I think we looked at it as um, collectively, all of us as artists are here to entertain this crowd. Let's go out and do it. And That's it was a, it was good. a team, you know. It was great. Yeah. I was talking to somebody earlier about some of the new artists that come up, and I talked to them, and they go, "Well, yeah." I did such and such a show, and they're just young people, and they didn't have bands. They didn't go out and really beat the streets or play the clubs. Right. And they go, yeah, the first show I did, there was uh, in front of George Strait, and there were 60,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, gosh, what a weird reality. The first show you ever did was in <laughs> front of 60,000. Didn't you play a club or something where there was like two drunks screaming free bird at you? You right. know? Yeah. You have to kind of go through We're that. still doing those clubs, too. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And still playing free bird. So now we have four drunks. They're <laughs> screaming right. free bird. Well, Keith Urban, I wish you nothing but the best. It's always been a pleasure knowing you. And you too, John. And doing great music and just Thank keep you. it up. And I, I'm looking forward to the next CD. Thanks, man. I'm kind of curious myself. <laughs> <laughs> he is a funny man and so bright. You know, we've had a lot of conversations since then. And I have to tell you, he is one of the best entertainers I have ever seen. Listen, don't forget to join us on the Rise Up Country podcast, episode four. Marin Morris and Walker Hayes. And Marin's got a story she's going to share with us I've never heard before about having to let her guard down and learn to be a new person after the birth of their baby, Hayes. Plus, Walker Hayes is going to share his story about how he found sobriety and how it not only healed him, 
but it allowed him to be able to heal others. And I'll be playing back some phone calls that we got on a Rise Up Country Hope line, all about hope and inspiration, people who have shared their life-changing experiences. Well, that's it for me, John Ritter. And remember, you have a power in you that allows you to never, never give up. Just rise up.